Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today is a solo episode. It's a bonus episode. If you listened to the entire introduction of uh, of yesterday's or episode 91's episode, um, you were anticipating this episode, this bonus episode. So We didn't get to cover or I didn't get to cover everything I wanted to in episode 91 regarding the Chicago Marathon. So this episode is going to be all about the Chicago Marathon weekend recap. It's going to be so much fun and I can't wait to dive into it. Before we get started, I want you to imagine running your next race. And if you've raced recently, which it feels like so many of us have, this could be a too soon type of <laughs> type of thing. So feel free to uh, forward on about 30 seconds. So imagine starting your next race. You're strong, you're confident, and you're ready to tackle the race course and distance. You have the training, you have the fitness, and you have the endurance for your race. Is this something you want? You can have it all without personalized programming, without communication from a coach and following a plan. The Elevate Your Running beginner and intermediate training plans are now available in the base 5K, 10K, half and marathon distances on elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. These plans are constructed with the Elevate coaching philosophy and the proven workouts that all the Elevate athletes have used before to achieve results while running strong, happy, and confident. We have so many wins this fall. It's incredible. Each plan contains a downloadable run terminology guide, nutrition and fueling guide, suggested strength training exercises, and a race day planner sheet. It's the pro coaching you want for less than a 12-pack of your favorite running gels. You can find all of these plans along with a Run Boston Strong plan. So if you've qualified for Boston, this is your plan. It's the pre-plan before getting into specific Boston Marathon training. And you can find that all on elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. Now I want to get into the episode. It's going to be so much fun. I want to recap the Chicago Marathon weekend. It was so much fun. Can I say that one more time? I think so. It was so much fun. It filled my heart so, so much because I was able to be there on a whole, on many, many levels. Um, I got to experience the city of Chicago um, very similar to last year in a way of I was there as someone visiting for the weekend. It is a city that I love. If you didn't listen to the Chicago Marathon weekend preview, um, it's a city that I grew up visiting every single summer. It's a city that's very close to my heart. There's so many amazing memories um, that I'm reminded of when I go to Chicago. So it's a very Oh, it's a very lovely city that I just love so much. And I feel like um, if they didn't have really cold winters, which we got a little bit of that of that wind and uh, those cold temps over the weekend, if they didn't have that, I would uh, probably move there. I just love it so much. So um, 
it was a really great weekend. And um, I just want to kind of start from the beginning. So I was able to fly in on a Thursday night, which was incredible. Now I was there as an, as a human visiting and trying to take some time for myself. I was there <laughs> and trying is the key word for there. I was also there as an athlete racing the Chicago marathon 5k the day before the marathon. So that was on Saturday, October 7th. I was there as a friend. I was there with Peggy and Charlotte, who I run with under uh, Nell Rojas coaches us. And I was also there as a coach. So I got to uh, coach like eight athletes in the Chicago Marathon. It was really exciting. I was also there to host a shakeout with Relentless Runners on Saturday. So I got to meet new um Gosh, new athletes that I've known over Instagram or some athletes who live in Denver came too, which was actually really, really exciting too, to see them and to kind of lift them high before going into their marathon. And then um, I also got to host a post-marathon party after the marathon. And, um, and I'm laughing because on top of all of this, I'm also marathon training, which I think in hindsight... I won't do this again. Like if I'm marathon training, I'm not going to a race weekend to do all of these things because marathon training in of itself is intensive. And if you've been following my training, follow me on Strava or Instagram, my training's a little bit, um, you know, every, every training cycle, we're trying to mix things up to, to stimulate my body and like get it into just a whole new level of fitness. Right. And this cycle is definitely doing that. Um, my coach is so amazing. She believes in me and she expects a lot out of me. And um, and it was a lot to kind of do all of this. So I ended up kind of merging some things together that looking back, I probably shouldn't have and um, tried to just make it a win all around. And you know, that's okay. It's all about creating wins, right? At the end of the day, it was still an amazing weekend. I'm recording this on Wednesday and I just ran my workout and it ended up going extremely well. So um, all in all, it was great. So I ended up getting to Chicago on Thursday night. I had a four mile easy shakeout run with stretches and drills and strides on Friday. So Peggy and I walked to the lakeshore um, to get our run in and just chat and soak up the sun and be on this awesome, it's like an awesome running and bike path that's right on Lake Michigan. And then you have the city um, on the other side. So it's just really incredible. You're just surrounded by so many good feels. And then we ran into our teammate Val, um, who was going to, she was running the Chicago marathon the next or that weekend. And, you know, she was targeting a, a fast time and she's fast and she's so great. So it was really awesome to stop. It was literally when we finished our run, we saw her and chatted with her for quite a bit and made plans to go to lunch later that day and all the things. So Friday was spent going to the grocery store to get a bunch of stuff for the weekend, right? I think my bi- one of my biggest concerns going into the weekend, and this is like, I think a great episode too, if, if you travel for a race, hopefully you can take some good takeaways away. Um, my biggest concern going into this weekend was making sure that I was eating enough and eating the right foods to help me run 
and keep my energy high because I knew that there was going to be a lot of different buckets that I needed to have at running at about 100% capacity for the entire weekend. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to lean into the most. And Peggy was such a good sport of, of dealing with that side of me and making sure that we got to the grocery store early on in the trip. So picked up a lot of gluten-free food, um, picked up a lot of water, a lot. I brought electrolytes, which was great. And um, we did that first. We had breakfast, then we went out for a run. And then we ended up going to lunch and around midday, I think this is important to note, the weather shifted. So it was about 70 degrees when we got there on Thursday, as well as Friday morning. And then the weather shifted. It started to pour rain. The temperature plummeted to like low 50s. And I was reminded how freaking cold the Midwest is when it's raining and when it's windy. And that humidity is brutal for someone living in Colorado. And gosh, I lived in the Midwest for 27 years. I've lived in Colorado for 14. And I think within like three months of living in Colorado, I was already like soft to the humidity and like the winters. It's just like, it just cuts right through you. So, um, so my whole objective on Friday was staying warm. Now I didn't need to go to bid pickup for the Chicago 5k, which was on Saturday morning, because if you registered through, I think it was like mid August, they sent you the bit and the hat and all the things. So they didn't, I think their goal was to just kind of eliminate extra people being at the expo because my friend and teammate Charlotte, she ended up needing to go to the expo and she said it was just, you know, it's a world major expo. There's a lot going on, right? So trying to keep some of those uh, 5Kers out of the expo, I think was a really, really smart idea on the Chicago Marathon's side of things. Okay. So Friday night, I get a text from my friend Chapin. Chapin, if you're listening, I know you had so much FOMO last weekend, but if you're listening, hello, thank you so much for that text message. You saved my 5k. Um, he texted and said something along the lines, and I should probably just pull up the text. Um, he said, going in, he said, go rip it as much as possible for a world major 5k. Effort points on this one. I can't wait to hear about it. And I thought, as soon as I read that, I knew exactly what he was talking about. It's a slow 5K. And I would have never put that together. It was a learning experience for me as an athlete and as a coach, especially going into this, wanting to like PR. And after the 5K, it was really cool because I was able to, Nell had, um, my coach had some time at the hotel that she set aside for people to come to the lobby and hang out. And it was, you know, part of my feedback to her of like, oh, hey, did you know that world major 5Ks are slow? And she had no idea. I had no idea. Peggy and Charlotte had no idea. So on Friday night, I'm like laying in bed and I'm like, okay, so we're trying to PR this thing. We got to get to the front of the line. That's going to be first and foremost. So the other thing on my mind was how cold it was and how the wind was just ripping through our bodies and how cold it felt. Now, I didn't pack accordingly and I packed amazing clothes to run in and I packed a very summery 
5k kit, (laughs) nothing really in between. So I went back and forth between like a crop top and arm sleeves, which in hindsight I should have worn or to wear a long sleeve and shorts. And, you know, the bib also didn't fit on the crop top. So that was super annoying. Um, but I probably could have figured out a way to make it work. So anyways, I went with long sleeves, Mm, bad idea. Cut to Saturday morning. So the race started at 7.30. I slept extremely well that night. The other two nights I did not. So I was grateful that the the only night that I got great sleep was the night before my race. And the race started at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. And we had, let me back up. I had a three-mile warm-up with some tempo work to get the legs starting to turn over and then four by 20 second strides. And Nell's pretty clear about wanting that warm up done with about five minutes to go. And so Charlotte and I are jogging over to the 5k and we just see a massive crowd of people wearing the 5k hats that they gave out, which meant that they were running the race. Turns out there were 12,000 people running this race These races, I think, are designed primarily for the marathoners to, like, get into race spirit, to have so much fun, and to, like, jog it out. But like I said in episode 90, which was the Chicago Marathon preview um, episode, it's very dangerous to go into this 5K tapered, full of carbs, full of energy, because I could, like, just see people trying to rip it. There were definitely points where um, you could do that. And I feel like that's a very dangerous place to be if you want to run a really strong marathon the next day. So Charlotte and I were talking on the way over to the the start about how to structure the warm-up and get in what we needed. But we also decided that actually placement in the corral was more important than finishing the warm-up five minutes to go. So that was the decision we made. Charlotte made a terrific point and she's like, let's just do, I think we ended up doing like a mile and a quarter warm up, And then we just did strides and the strides felt really good. And I thought, okay, the strides feel good. So I feel like I'm in a good spot. So we ended up getting into the crowd with like 20 minutes to go before the start. And we were away from the finish line, right? But we were about three rows from the start. And I felt really good about that. And I thought, okay, we're not going to get, you know, annihilated by like people behind us. We shouldn't be running into people or too many people (laughs) should be fine. What I loved about this 5k is that they played the Chicago Bulls theme song, just like they do for the Chicago marathon. And I grew up um, a Chicago Bulls fan. I will still, if it's on TV or if it's, you know, playing, if, if they're on in like a bar or whatever, like I'm definitely drawn to it. Um, I also grew up in the MJ era and it was just such an exciting time to be a Chicago Bulls fan. So that theme song to me is like, it just brings up so many great memories of me and particularly my dad. Um, And so I just got really excited for the race. So with about three minutes to go, they started to move us up to the, to the start line. But what I wasn't taking into account was that they actually funneled us down. So we started three rows back. And when we funneled down, we ended up being about 
10 rows back. And I still, Charlotte and I still felt pretty strong about this. We were looking, you know, around to kind of see who we were, who was in front of us. And I looked at ratios. Do they have ratios on? Do they have alpha flies on? Do they have vapor flies on? And I know that that's a little stereotypical, but also I knew that like, if you're wearing trainers, you're probably jogging, right? And if you're wearing alpha flies, you could also be jogging, but there's probably a greater chance that you're racing. So we felt good about it. It was really fun because at the start, I saw Carrie Toffelson, which I've met her. She's uh, she's a fabulous person. She has a podcast. She's an Olympian. I met her like four years ago. We made eye contact and I was like, I don't know if she remembers me. We were at a camp. So it was like a multiple day thing. Um, it wasn't like I stumbled into her at the mall, but um, it was fun to see her out there um, before we started. And then we started right on time, right at 730. So what I was concerned about was that this 5K was going to be slow per Chapin's text. And what happened was the first mile in hindsight was really really slow. Um, I tried to get around people and I think unless you start in the front row and I don't know, I'd love to hear people who've had experience with this. It blew my mind how many people I had to swerve around and I wasn't running. I don't know. It, It just kind of blew my mind. Like how many people were jogging in front of me and how many people I had to swerve around and, or completely break. So I wouldn't blow right into them. And it kind of felt like when you're on a highway and there's like, you know, a car driving under the speed limit in the left lane and you're coming in, maybe driving about 10 miles per hour over the speed limit and how quickly you can come up on a car. Right. That's kind of how I felt in the first mile. And it wasn't frustrating. And I didn't really feel like it was a big deal in the moment. But looking back, that first mile, now the GPS was also off. The first mile on my watch came in at 617, but I also know that I that was not a true mile and I still had more distance to cover to hit a mile. And I felt incredibly smooth. I felt incredibly strong. My breathing was super dialed. And as soon as that first mile clicked, I'm like, you got to go. Because the plan was to run a 620, a 610, and then kick it in. And we were really targeting closer to 19 minutes than what I actually ran. I ran a 1925, and which is 615 pace. We were targeting like 1910. I probably could have cracked 19 if I really went into the pain cave and didn't have to sort of around people. But that's also hindsight. Who knows? I'm really grateful for the 1915. So, or the 1925. So, kicked it in. And then from there on out, it was smooth sailing. I didn't have to go around people. I felt like the Chicago community came out and supported this race. So many people were cheering. It felt like we were running the marathon. It was so much fun. I had teammates out there taking photos and videos. I got to see Marilee and Billy, my friends from Denver, a little bit after the two mile mark. And This summer, I've been practicing focusing and focusing in on like what I'm doing, the pace that I'm running and limiting the distractions around me. And I feel like this race was such a good test of that because I didn't stay focused for the entire 3.1 miles. I also 
didn't run on effort. I got way in my head at mile two when the watch came in and said 540 pace, which I knew wasn't true because the GPS was off. So when I got to the mile marker at mile two, it was 23 seconds. So I was running a 603 mile and I felt strong. I felt good. I saw my friends, Marilee and Billy, which I waved to them. So I probably shouldn't have done that. That probably cost me a little bit of time. (laughs) Um, At like with 1K to go, we had considerable headwind in the last 1K that downtown, the wind coming through the buildings downtown is wicked and hats were flying off of people. Like that's how hard of the wind that we are running into. Um, and I definitely felt some lactate acid build up in my forearms, which is funny that that's where it happens, um, right at the end. So some mistakes that I made, um, I got distracted around mile two. I saw my teammate Kate and she was taking video and I couldn't like see who it was or, you know, I was just kind of like, what, who is that? And it was my teammate, Kate, and she took some awesome pictures. So yay, Kate, you're amazing. She also ran the marathon the next day and like crushed it. Um, Colt Goucher, Kara Goucher's son ran past me and I was like, oh, hey, that's Colt Goucher. Like thought, gosh, he's looking so strong. And I like totally got out of race mode. And when we made the turn, I said something to him like, hey, Colt, just go. Because I could tell he was running like comfortably. Right. And he looked back at me like, I have no idea who you are. And then he like took off and I'm like, either he listened to me or that was like pure stranger danger. I don't know. <laughs> but His mom was also running Kara Goucher. She was running. And there was a point during the turnaround where Colt was maybe like three steps ahead of me. And she was like cheering him on. And I absolutely love Kara and I've seen her in Boulder, but yet seeing her there in Chicago and running, which is such a huge win for her. She's had a really big, you know, running journey to overcome over the last few years and just running. And I think particularly around people and also on cement was such a huge win for her. And it was also really cool to just see her out there that I got a little distracted with that too. (laughs) Um, We also saw Dina Castor and that Dina Castor is the best. And Dina Castor is also an Olympian. She held the title for, you know, uh, the American record and in the marathon And she's incredible. So when I trained for CIM 2019, I read her book, Let Your Mind Run. And I have got to tell you, if you are struggling in running, in training, maybe getting through your first marathon training cycle, read this book. She is so inspiring. The book is so, it's creative. It's entertaining. I loved it. And it fueled me on all my 20 mile training runs, which were brand new to me at the time to get through it, to have the gratitude for running, to have the mindset to push. And it's incredible. So it was also amazing to see her. So I got a little fangirly around mile two. I actually have not told that to my coach. So I doubt she's listening to this, but like got a little fangirly. And then once I saw Billy and Marilee with about 1K to go, I really like hunkered down and really tried to push this in. Um, so the other mistake that I made was that I didn't do my re- my course recon the day before. And it was probably the thing that now was most disappointed, I think, about um, when I shared some feedback with her is that I didn't know where the finish line was. 
So it was very difficult to see the finish line. And they had this huge TV screen way down the street. And I just figured that's where the finish line was. And now granted the GPS was off, right? So I didn't know where I was or, and I also wasn't really looking at my watch in the last mile. I feel like in the 5k, you actually shouldn't be doing that. You should be running on effort. And I didn't know where the finish line was. And so I didn't have a kick because all of a sudden the finish line was there. And I was like, oh my God, the race is over. (laughs) Shoot. So that was a little disappointing. Um, But I'm also super grateful for the experience and super grateful that I was able to race a 5k. Lungs felt incredible. I think the biggest and hardest thing was that I was coming off of my highest mileage week ever and just trying to get the legs to turn over as fast as they could. And that was kind of my limiting factor, I think, on Saturday. I mean, of course, swerving. So I got an A minus in pacing, which I feel really excited about. I feel like maybe that first mile, if it could have been faster, it would have been such a solid 5K. But live and learn, right? So when you sign up for world major 5Ks, understand that it's going to be a ton of people, thousands and thousands, 12,000 people that ran the Chicago 5K. And I would love to see the stats on how many of them actually raced the marathon the next day. And I would say, I bet it's like 80%, if not more. Everyone there was running the marathon, right? Or it was like a fun 5K, right? So that's just something to know. Something, you know, if you decide to do this in another race or for another race and something just to know going into your race that it's going to be a little bit slower in that first mile. So, you know, if you have room to grow in the 5K, you may still PR. And if, you know, now I feel like my 5K time is pretty, it's pretty decent. Like, um, I won't be able to make those same mistakes the next time, right? So all in all, great, great experience. Highly, highly recommend it. We then went over to the shakeout run and I hosted a shakeout run with Relentless Runners and it was a lot of fun. We got to meet a lot of new people. I got to meet Relentless Runners athletes and Mary Lee got to meet Elevate Your Running athletes. Mary Lee, friend from Denver, who cheers me on anytime she can. She's so great. She's also a coach with Relentless Runners. So it was really, really fun to be able to do that together. We had one group going out for 20 minutes. I led the group that went out for 30 minutes. And then we did dynamic stretches and drills, strides, and just lifted everyone high and answered last minute questions about the course. Now, at that time, the weather was sunny, 50s. It felt great. I probably overdressed for the 5K. I actually know I overdressed for the 5K, but I was in, it felt really great for the shakeout. Everyone had an amazing time. It was sunny, 50 degrees awesome. And we knew the next day was going to be cloudy. We knew the weather was going to be on their side. I think the the one thing we all kind of questioned a little bit was if it was going to be windy, like it was for the 5k. And it was definitely windy as a spectator. And as I was watching on Sunday and seeing people finish and watching their splits, I wondered if the last five or 10 K was windy, cause I'm like, everyone's falling apart. And I say, everyone, the majority of people were falling apart. And later on, I heard it wasn't windy. And I thought, oh, that's so strange. 
Chicago Marathon was like 45 degrees. It was perfect weather. It was a good day to have a great day. And I was really surprised to see. I wasn't surprised to see all the the records being broken by the elites. So fun. Also, four days removed. I didn't realize that they were wearing Alpha Fly 3s. So those release in January. I can't wait to try it. It kind of looks like I might fall. It's like very, looks like you're on a rocker. So like, it'll be interesting to, to test them out. Right. Um, and so I kind of thought, Hmm, that's interesting that, you know, it is a marathon, right? The marathon doesn't owe us anything. It's something that we all know going into it. And I think after talking with people about all of it, I think when you have the weather super dialed, like Chicago was, it was overcast, very little wind, 45 degrees, the pressure to perform is all on you. You have no out. You don't have a weather out. You don't have, oh, the sun's out. It's too hot. It's windy. No, it was perfect. And I think that adds a little bit of pressure. And if you're already feeling nervous about the race, that probably didn't work in some people's favor. So I had eight athletes run the marathon. It was so much fun. I got to run very, very early on Sunday morning with my friend, Jesse, Elevate Athlete, Jesse too, and Marilee. And we went out and I had 10 miles on the schedule and I got 6.75 and I was, you know, okay with it. But I was also like, oh, shoot. But it was also a recovery week and it's fine. Um, so we got to see the elites come through at mile one and a half. It was super fun to see them. I wanted to see them first because I knew deep down in my heart, as much as I told all the athletes, I was going to be at mile three, I was going to be at mile like 17 or whatever. It's like, you know, Sarah, you just have to be at one spot because it's going to be a long stretch between athlete one and athlete eight. And you have to give yourself grace around that. So Jesse and I did end up going to mile three for just a few minutes. And it was still such a cluster of athletes. It was incredibly difficult to see anyone. And the app wasn't working at that time. So I missed some friends that I wanted to see who were going to be up front or closer to the front, right? Uh, Marilee's husband, Billy, was shooting for like a 228. He still ran a PR 230, which is incredible for him. He kind of got behind some people in the first 5k, which can happen at Chicago. Um, I, it does open up a lot more though than the Boston marathon does. And then I wanted to see my teammate Val who would have been, you know, just a few minutes behind Billy. And I didn't end up seeing her. And I turned to Jesse and I was like, we have to get out of here. I can't, it's so hard to see anyone. So we ended up walking just three blocks over, two blocks over to mile 12. And I thought, this is it. This is where I'm just going to see everyone. So I ended up missing two athletes. I'm so sorry, Stephanie and Nicole. I did not see you. And I think when Stephanie came through, the app still wasn't totally synced yet. Um, and Stephanie was the first athlete to come through and I missed her. And um. And that's okay. I was, I mean, it's not okay, but I was also like really focused in on, okay, let's just the next, who's the next one coming through and just look for them. And it was super helpful to reference back to Instagram to see what people were wearing. 
And it's also interesting, like last year I wore this bright pink hat and I feel like wearing something really bright if you're running a major or a really crowded race, or maybe you're a spectating major or a really crowded spectating race is a good play because then people can find you faster. <laughs> so it was really fun to see everyone come through. I was just screaming as loud as I could to see like, you know, to get anyone's attention. And it was so great. Athlete Jane was like right next to us. She was like literally ran right in front of us. And Abier was the total opposite. He was on like the other side and we were just screaming his name. And he finally heard it and like turned over and saw us, which was the biggest win because that's the point to be there, right? To kind of like lift people up. And also as a coach, once we got to mile 12, I thought, this is so great because at mile 12, I'm going to know how they're feeling just based on how they look. And I could also reference splits. So it was interesting to see, you know, some athletes came through and I was like, oh yeah, they look really good. They look really strong. Their splits look good. They're going to be good. And I've had, I had three athletes that came through where I was like, they don't look good. Their splits do not look good. I don't know what's happening, but like, just got to trust the process. And like, know that they can do hard things and they can get through the next 14 miles. And, um, I think the biggest thing is watching people come through. I said to Jesse, there aren't that many people carrying handouts. That's kind of strange. And she's like, yeah, like must be the weather, right? Because it's so cool. And I think that was actually the thing that kind of got some people the fact that it was cooler, it was cloudy. You didn't, the athletes didn't think that they needed to drink as much. The athletes, at least the elevate athletes that crushed the marathon on Sunday had the handheld and they had the scratch. They had the electrolytes. They had everything. I'm pretty sure Abie did too. He ended up having a calf issue, I think, come up. We haven't talked in depth yet, um, but we will next week. So that's like a whole different thing. Um, where he had some cramps come up, but seeing people kind of like fall back off of pace, I kind of wonder if hydration was an issue on Sunday. There was a guy that DNF'd right in front of me. He literally stopped and like walked right off the course in front of me. And his face was like all like white from salt. And this is at mile 12. So I think it's like important to know that if it is a cooler race, you are going into something like this. You still get to hydrate the day before you still get to hydrate on the course. It's the same thing that you've been practicing and training. And the only time you would change it is if the weather was warmer and you needed to take in more to get you through the marathon, if that makes sense. So that's my recap for the actual marathon. <clears throat> it was so much fun. Marilee and I ended up hosting a post-marathon party where I got to meet um, a lot of people from Instagram and just friends that I haven't been able to see in person for a while. And it was kind of the best way that we could organize something to make sure that I got, that the invitation was out there to everyone to be able to see us, right? When you're there trying to support eight athletes and you have friends, you have teammates running, it 
at least in my mind, it gets overwhelming and having one central place for people to meet. So I'm not running around or like people just aren't running around. Cause it was kind of a chaotic weekend in that sense of like trying to meet up with people. Um, I'm just trying to like coordinate times and all that stuff. It just made it a lot easier. And it was just a lot of fun to be able to do that and to support people who wanted to celebrate their race. And I had a friend who was in her hotel. She was like laying in bed and she's like, when's your flight? I'm like, I'm leaving at like four o'clock for my flight and I'm leaving the party. Like I need to go back to the hotel, grab my luggage, get on the L, all the things. And she's like, oh, I'm in bed. I don't think I'll be able to see you. And like two minutes later, she's like, screw it. I'm getting a lift. I haven't seen you. Like, I want to like see you. We're in the same city. Let's just do this. So it was really great. Thanks, Elena, for doing that. You're so sweet. And it's just so hard to be able to do that on my side of things when there's just a lot of people that you want to connect with. And it was really fun because I also got to connect with some Elevate athletes that flew in for um, the week. Um, I had an athlete there just to hang out for the week and his sister was there for a conference. So he tagged along and he was going to work remotely. So he came and it was like so great to be with him and to meet him. He lives in San Francisco. Hey, Ronald. And it just felt good to have like that in-person energy. And it was awesome. So I really, really loved that aspect of it. And it just brings a whole other element to the weekend. And I know a lot of people were doing that, right? A lot of people were hosting shakeout runs and dinners the night before and celebrations after. And I think that's what it's all about, right? It's like so much fun to like celebrate, lift people high, hug people, you know, sending audio notes and all the things to athletes who didn't have great days, right? Or like just for whatever reason, just didn't have the day that we envisioned that they would have. And, you know, it's a lot of energy going back and forth, right? But it's also a lot of fun. It's also why we get into this sport, right? Every race can't be a win. And I've definitely had mine. And I feel like, you know, I, we all go through seasons of highs and lows. And I went through a very low long, low season, um, after running CIM and feeling burnt out and not feeling motivated and with the pandemic and not really like feeling well while running. And that's a really scary place to be. Um, and it was like that for a while, months, months and months and months and months. And it took about 10 months to get, to flow through that. And then I started heading a groove And then you have a setback and then you hit a groove and then you hit a setback and all the things. And it's just part of training. It's part of showing up, getting out there, staying committed, whether the day is good, great, or just okay, or flat out awful, right? And all of those days make us stronger athletes. All of those days make us stronger humans. And It's the commitment, the motivation, the desire to keep showing up. And that's what I love so much about running. We mentioned this quote yesterday on the podcast. It's from Justin Sua. I saw it on Instagram a few different times, but I just love Justin Sua. And he has... 
He's a sports performance coach. He has a podcast. It's like a daily podcast and each podcast episode is anywhere from like two to four minutes long. It's awesome. And it's something this week that I decided I'm leaning into and it's going to be the first thing that I listen to in the morning when I wake up versus like sitting down to check email or to check Instagram or I kind of have like my process in the morning before I go out for a run. And I'm like starting my day with Justin Sua. This quote is by Justin Sua. Don't let failure kill your confidence. Don't let success kill your drive. And I think that's so true. We saw people having great days and I'm so proud of you for the commitment and showing up and getting things done and making it happen. That is a good feeling. I've been there. It's a heck yeah. And I've also been on the other side where it's like, don't let the failure kill your confidence. If you had a tough day on Sunday, I'm so sorry. I know that like the marathon doesn't owe us anything. It can happen to anyone and anything can happen. And if that was your day, I hope you take some time to reflect on what worked, what didn't work. How can you show up differently next time? How can you change things in your training cycle for next time? And see if you can flow and find yourself in a better groove. I think taking some time off from running is always a great thing, whether you crushed it or you didn't. I like to take a full week off. Sometimes I know after CIM, it's going to be 10 days for sure. It only helps you become stronger once you get back to it. There's no rush. Your goals aren't going anywhere. If anything, it'll allow you time and space to process what happened on Sunday and how you want to move forward and who you want to move forward with and how that works. A lot of people, Boston qualified. I think that's great. That course is such a a BQ course. If you're going to have a good day, right? It's flat, fast, and you qualified for 2025. So if you fall into that bucket, congratulations. And what we found out a few weeks ago is that the Boston standard is just continuing to creep higher and higher and higher. So invitation to think about running another marathon before the registration window opens next fall and finding another marathon to run, particularly a stronger race so you have a larger buffer if that's something that you want to experience in 2025. Um, They may change the time. They may just keep the time but have a huge buffer. We don't know. And we also don't know when they're going to announce that. And you don't want to be caught off guard. You don't want to be surprised. You don't want it to happen next fall when you think you have your Chicago time secured, right? So invitation to think about that and what course would support you next year to making that happen. And if you're looking for coaching, I'd love to support you in that. I love lifting athletes high. I love pushing, uh, maybe like moving the needle in training and seeing what your true potential is. It can be a lot of fun. And I also want to note before I close this episode that there were horrific events that happened over the weekend that we can acknowledge. And 
I posted something on Instagram on Wednesday about this. I typically stay pretty quiet when things in the world are happening. And it's more so because I don't know exactly what to say. And in the past, when I have spoken up, it hasn't been the right thing. And it's been, um, it hasn't been a good experience, right? I, I get nervous if I don't know what to say or how to say it. I don't want to offend anyone. I just want to come across real and genuine. And so I understand that what's happening in Israel is absolutely devastating. It's awful. And we should acknowledge that. We should do everything that we can do to help them and support them and say no to bullies and terrorists who are going to do whatever they want to do and harm whoever they want to harm. And I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not sure how we can do that. But I think just mentioning it and talking about it and bringing it up and knowing that as people were running the Chicago Marathon on Sunday, this was happening across the across the world and how polar opposite of experiences that is. And also the situation and I think experience and life that we're in and how we don't have that per se, right? Um, and so I'm just going to leave it at that because I feel like I don't know what to say with it. And I actually grabbed this off of Instagram from someone else because I felt like it hit home on so many levels on why I don't talk about things going on, controversial things, um, terrorism, political, anything. I feel like I never know exactly what to say in these situations. I get nervous. I don't know what to say. And if I say the wrong thing, it worries me that what I'm sharing is coming across as not as genuine as I want it to be or as I am. People are really hurting in Israel, right? Um, And it's absolutely devastating. And I can't imagine putting myself in that situation and going through that terror and heartbreak and all, all the feelings, right? Um, so I want to acknowledge what's happening and it's going to be perfectly imperfect and that's okay too. We're all humans. We all show up differently, but I think it is important to acknowledge it today. And if anyone has ideas on how to talk about this, uh, you know, on a future episode, if we want to talk about it, um, and if there's anything that we can do to support the people who are impacted by this and, you know, lives who are altered forever by this. Let's do that. Feel free to reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy or at Elevate Your Running. You can also send me an email at Sarah, which is S-A-R-A at elevateyourrunning.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, Chicago was an absolute blast, but it's also important to know that there are other heartbreaking things going on in the world and we get to stand up and say no and do something about it. So I hope you have a great rest of your weekend and Austin and I will see you next week.